and welcome to the workshop, The Mirror Lies. I'm Zan from Santa Monica, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, everybody, and moderator plus speaker for this session. Before we begin, please turn off your cell phones. This workshop is being taped. All opinions expressed by those who share are their own, <coughs> excuse me, and not necessarily those of OA as a whole. The format for this session is a reading, two speakers, basket-basket questions, and sharing on the topic. A basket with paper and pencil will be circulated for you to write any questions you have for the speakers. Please specify whom your question is for. Okay, the reading is from the Lifeline, Lifeline Sampler, page 297, first four paragraphs. Okay, two, there it is. 97, first four paragraphs. All right. Gosh, we didn't, we didn't do a prayer. I just don't feel right without a prayer. So would you join me, please, in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Time will not mind be done. Okay, great. This is a, a called the Invisible Fat Man. I ha it happened to me again one day last week. I suddenly, inexplicably, felt fat. I mean, I felt that the image staring back at me out of the mirror was a mistake or a joke. Often in OA, we hear that we are going to discover a slim person living inside our fat body. And sure enough, after two and a half years in this program, I'm maintaining a normal weight and have been doing so for more than 20 months. But there are times when I feel like a fat man wearing a skinny suit. At these times, I find myself adopting mannerisms and attitude from my past obese life. I look in the mirror and I see the small person looking back, but somehow I feel he is, he is only temporary. That's my fear, that someday I'll gain back all the weight. I've done that before. Okay. Uh, it now says that I will now speak for 20 to 25 minutes, and if I could, um, could you single me, sig signal me at 15 minutes? Thanks. Okay. So, once again, hi, everybody. I'm Zan, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. hi. So, I have 20 to 25 minutes, and so I'm definitely going to do kind of a traditional, what it used to be like, what happened, and what I'm like now. Um, but is anyone new here today, say, within their first 90 days in Overeaters Anonymous? All right. Thank you. Do you want to just give us your first name? Hi, Ruth. Welcome. Great. And how many people uh, from the South Bay Intergroup, for instance? Okay. Um, shout out what other intergroups you're from. I'm curious. All right. Where? San Mateo. All right. So people can. Crystal. Maui. Woohoo! Wow, San Diego. That's really neat. That's so, so great. I love it. L.A. What do you know? Yeah. <laughs> There was a time where, um, let's see, I lived in Orange County. Well, I started OA in Los Angeles, uh, West Side area. I moved to Orange County in 1989, and at times I would go to the OA How meetings. Um, and so I was going to meetings in like five different intergroups, L.A., South Bay, OA How, Orange County, and probably one other I can't remember. And I remember just being so so struck by 
how the program meetings were a little bit different, but, you know, the, the, the same, I remember being struck by how, wow, people are getting abstinent and stopping compulsive overeating in every intergroup. And it was just, it was just really awesome to me. Um, anyway, so uh, my story. I have, well, I guess I'll give you the numbers first. I've been in Overeaters Anonymous for 33 years, since 1976, I know. And... Um, but the more important number to me is that I've been abstaining through the grace of God and OA for um, over 28 years now. And thank you. And as my friend Carol always says, you're, you're applauding for God. Um, and you know, really ironic that someone who was raised as an atheist would not feel comfortable getting started without wanting to say a prayer. Um, and that's the complete conversion that I've undergone here in a way I'm not I'm I'm you know still not religious and I still don't know who or what God is on a daily basis but I know that this program works and I know that turning my will my life over to a power greater than myself works and I love it um so and then as far as the weight goes I'm maintaining about a 45 pound weight loss um so basically um, I have to just say this. Um, I go from Santa Monica and listen to Michael Jackson songs all the way up. And it, it was completely programmed to me. Um, I kind of want to get into it because I was thinking about it so deeply. But, you know, I just kept thinking, like, about our fourth and our fifth steps, how we have these instincts as a person and there is this flawed person um, so talented and there's my girl, and we're talking about Michael Jackson. <laughs> I missed you. I, I, I just have to do it. It's, I just have to do it because what I got was that, I mean, I'm just, oh, I'm not going to be able to articulate it, but that, so I came in here and I had this it's horrible disease, you know, eight candy bars at a time, half a pizza, pint of ice cream, right? And um, fighting, 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 always thinking that, the solution was the next diet. I mean, we've all done that or we wouldn't be sitting in this room in downtown Ontario today. You know, and <laughs> airport in Ontario, I don't even know where downtown. And, and I mean, how many times, I mean, it would be fun one time just to go around the room and ask everyone to lift the diets, you know, and there's got to be at least five sitting in every seat here, you know. Mine was pre-digested liquid protein, which is if you're old enough, uh, you remember. Um, you didn't eat, you just drank this vile cough medicine vomit out of a jar thing. And um, Dr. Atkins, the first time it came out, you know, um, before he got hip, right? And, um, of course, Weight Watchers, I still have my card, and my mom's diet. Those were the, That was the first one, of course, because she was battled weight all her life and continues to. Um, so, you know, always thinking that if I just, like I say, iron out the wrinkles in my personality... Basically, that's if I just got rid of this thing. And what I was re remembering as I was listening to um, Michael Jackson is that it's, it's exactly the opposite of that. Is that, you know, like today, I'll say this, I wear my wrinkles proudly. They have not gone away. Not, uh, and what I mean by that is my disease of compulsive overeating. I am a compulsive overeater. I may have 28 years of abstinence, and I do have 28 years. Thank you, freaking God. And, you know, I could compete with anybody's binges. We're not here to compete. But it was wretched. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I would speed. I would break laws. I would steal, sneak, 
cheat, lie to get my food, um, and it is a miracle that I don't do that today. Um, but I am one bite away, and I am as close to that next bite today that I was the day I walked in that, this door. Now, uh, unlike what we read, I don't fear gaining my weight back today. I don't feel like I'm going to go out there and take that first bite. Um, that is the other miracle of the program. The obsession, the desire, and the craving has been lifted. Didn't get lifted the first year. <laughs> that was harder. And I've said it a million times, but I used to eat dinner with the phone on the table because that was the hardest part. When dinner's on, it's the third one. There's no more for the day, and it's depressing. Um, <clears throat> you know, I also say, I don't, this doesn't happen so much anymore, but um, I would go into grieving at the end of every meal, you know. <laughs> um, but I didn't pick up. So, so point is that, um, I, as long as I embrace my disease and I say yes to it, I'm okay. And that is the opposite of Dr. Atkins' weight watch, you know, not to name names here, but, you know, of all of those diets, because they said to me, I am not different from my fellows. I can conquer this on the unaided will. Um, this is just a phase. It'll be over soon, you know. And I got here having binged my guts out, as I said, and <clears throat> tried and failed at all those diets. And you guys said, we hate to tell you, but you're different from your fellows. I mean, not alone. For, you know, clearly what, what we all do, right, we come and we go, losers, group of losers, you know, <laughs> because, um, you know, Overeaters Anonymous, it's not sexy like AA, any of those things. Um, <clears throat> and if you have to come to these, you know, meetings, there's no glamour to it. And there's no glamour to being fat like I was. Um, none whatsoever. There's glamour to having a drug addiction, and unfortunately, it continues to this day. So you said I, I was different from my fellows. You said I would never get over this. Who's going to come back to a place like that? You know, when when out there they're telling you, you know, okay, you pay this X amount of money for Jenny Craig, and then you're done. You know. This is off the thing, but, you know, I always wondered, like, why would anyone buy a lifetime membership to Great Expectations? You know, the dating thing? Like, don't you? Like, <laughs> don't you? Don't you? But they sold them, you know? I don't care. So, um, but I bought my lifetime membership here, and I'm proving it with 33 years. Keep coming back. <laughs> and um, so, um, yeah, you say you've got this thing, you know, for life, and, um of course, then they followed up with the, the fine writing, it's one day at a time, which I never bought. I still, I still, I don't know, I, I mean, if God forbid, there are newcomers here, so um, forgive me, but <laughs> I ne could never really get my um, head around that concept. Um, I'm not sure I still do, um, except that I did get, all you have to do is eat an abstinent breakfast. That's it, you know. Okay, do I get lunch? Do I get lunch? Yeah, you get lunch. Treat yourself, I, I tell sponsees, Treat yourself like a princess with the food. Do not scrimp on quality because, honey, that's all you get, you know. And you don't get to snack like other people, unfortunately. I mean, some people snack on their food plan, but you know what I'm saying. Like, mm, I'm hungry. I think I'll have an apple. That was what I always did. I think I'll just, you know, that's dietetic. I knew how many calories in an apple. Is there anyone here who doesn't know? No. So you go, you know, I'm just going to start with an apple. And my apple would inevitably end up in two Cadbury chocolate bars. That that was what my dad ate, and he used to keep him by the side of the ta his bedside, 
And so there'd be one whole one and then a half a one. And I would eat those. And then I'd have to rush to Market Basket was the name of the market back then and and uh, go and replace those. And, of course, eat the one down halfway. And they were big. In fact, I'm I'm willing to bet they were bigger than they are today. You know, I took a good look at one the other day in the market. Like, I talk about that a lot, you know, how they were cheaper and bigger back then. And so I want to be accurate and be able to tell you, yes, they were bigger, you know. But they were big. So <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that one, that one apple. Because, too, true, like, you know, diets tell you here's what's legal and what's illegal. And, you know, and I remember, too, being on Weight Watchers once and um, – in the illegal category for anyone who doesn't know, they would say as long as it's basically a green vegetable, you could eat as much as you wanted of it. Guess who took advantage of that? You know, a giant bowl, giant bowl of raw vegetables is a very painful thing. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, these um, – so I came here and they told me all those things. They told me I was an addict, not going to accept that. You know, my brother was a drug addict and I was the goody two-shoes. Uh, I wouldn't do that stuff, and it cracks me up to this day. I didn't like to be out of control. Really? <laughs> really? I didn't like wine or drugs because I, I couldn't maintain control. Really? <laughs> no, no. Shit, Sherlock. So, um, and I was the goody tissue, so I just hid with the food in, you know, defiance and sulking, silent scorn. That's my personality type from the 12 and 12. Um, hating you sneakily. You know, um, I'm going to diverge again, but I just had this revelation about resentment. And, and, and I feel like after 28 years of abstinence, I did not know what resentment was. And I just had this revelation that it happens when I don't speak my truth. When I, um, and it doesn't even have to get what I want or what I need. But if I keep it quiet, that's a guarantee I'm going to resent you, you know. And um, so anyway, that's the thing. So came here, so you gave me all that stuff, and it went opposite to everything I'd read or heard about dieting and being thin. Um, and then you said I had to believe in God, and you prayed within the first five minutes of a meeting. So I was in Dijudu again. You know, my parents were both card-carrying members of the Communist Party, which I love saying. I used to love it, especially in Orange County, saying that. <laughs> And um, but very proud of them. They're both dreamers and, and, and believers. And I think that's what saved me here. Oh, that's another revelation I had is that um, it's like all that matters here is that you believe. In fact, I found that just generally in life is that as long as you believe in it, faith, belief has tremendous power, tremendous power. Hi, Val. Um, and so anyway, um, so that was trouble for me, to, and to, the concept of surrender goes against everything I'd ever heard. And I thought, just like everyone, that I would fall in, you know, by the wayside and for sure be fat and huge for the rest of my life if I surrendered to anything and admitted powerlessness. Wow, okay, 15, oh, that's 15, thank you, that's 10 more. So, um, so basically what happened with all of that was I continued to binge my guts out in LA for four years. Um, I was 18 when I got here, um, and don't know the whys and wherefores, um, except that I'm really grateful I kept coming back. And that was the other thing. You know, there's just, so over here there are all these things I couldn't accept, and over here were all the reasons to stay. And, of course, being a newcomer, the first one were, were, were that uh, people had lost their weight. It's the only place I saw it and kept it off. Only place. Which, why, I am here to say, and you can 
lynch me when we go out to the lobby, but the mirror does not lie. That is the name of this uh, topic today, and the mirror does not lie. I lie to myself, okay? Um, I, I lie to myself, and I'm a real advocate of bringing back the old term, goal weight, because the fact is I am powerless over this disease. Um, it shows, and, um, and I tried even in OA, even in OA for those years I was binging, um, to accept myself that, and I could not. Um, I could not do it. And um, trust me, the moment I walked in this door, I got that unconditional love, which is, frankly, everything else said and done, why I think I'm standing here today. And I was at my top weight at that point, and you said we love you at your top weight. And, and um, that is, I hope, what I practice today, um, especially being a binger in the meetings, um, it's not about perfection. It's not about even getting abstinent right away because I didn't. All that matters is, is that I keep coming here and trying to practice these principles. But one of the principles is honesty, and it's self-honesty. It starts with self-honesty. And I could not, my experience is I could not be happy, serene, of service at um, when I was still overeating and still heavy. And I just think I have this thing about me that um, I'm not good with obsession of any kind, you know. And um, so, like, for instance, I've always been, well, it doesn't really matter, but the kind of person even in college where I got my assignments done on time because I couldn't stand the feeling of, oh, God, I'm going to be late because I'm so obsessive, you know. And, you know, the other thing is that it says, you know, this is a program of attraction rather than promotion, and uh, if I'm not at, you know, my goal weight, my healthy weight, you know, I don't like healthy weight because it sounds like a euphemism for me. Again, I'll go out on a limb and say I've just seen this program change in the last 30 years. And in a way, I mean, meetings are smaller. In the L.A. Uh, area, we used to have 60 meetings, uh, not 100 meetings a week. We have 60 now. Going out on a limb again, I think it is because there is less of a uh, program of attraction. Um, you know, people, there's this, been this acceptance of, of it's okay to eat, that abstinence is no longer our primary purpose, has been my experience in, in, in the meetings that I go to, not in every intergroup, to tell you the truth. Oh, this is so bad. I'm so opinionated. But, um, but I have to speak my truth because it's the same to me as um, looking in the mirror and saying, you know, and seeing what the truth is. So, again, um, it's not about perfection. It's not about competition. Um, it's not necessarily about a certain food plan, um, but it is about my self-honesty and what I can live with. And um, as a result, you know, as a result, um, I latched onto some insanely wonderful people here um, from the very, well, no, when I surrender, once I surrender, after four years of, of binging my guts out. Um, I, I found this wonderful meeting, which Saturday morning, this was called the maintainers meeting on the west side, um, kind of legendary, and there, there were minimally 125 of us there every Saturday morning, and um, it was fantastic. And there were people who, I, who were, you know, they have that joy. The, the, the spirituality and the happiness are spilling out all over, and I wanted what they had. Couldn't get it. For a year I went to that meeting binging, but I just kept going. And then when, when I surrendered and became willing to do anything, namely walk through the fear, I asked one of them to sponsor me, and that was a contrary action. I had been hiding from the winners 
previous to that. They intimidated me. People said, don't worry about it. Just be comfortable. No. You know what? Abstinence is the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done here, okay? You know, some of my friends say, it's supposed to be uncomfortable, people, you know, and it is painful. Um, and um, but, but on the other hand, even though my worst day of abstinence, the one where in the first year where I felt like I wanted to eat, is nothing compared to the horror of eight candy bars and half a pizza, you know, that hate, hate, hate. And I couldn't get rid of that self-hate without without abstinence. So I latched onto these wonderful people who were doing this, 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 you know, big book. And um, my sponsor was an AA as well, and she said one of the requirements to be sponsored by her was to go to one AA meeting a week, and I did that for years and years, and I'm so grateful. I just soaked up that pure, pure program. Um, you know, ironically, I mean, one of the first things I learned here, uh, well, after learning service, she got me into service, had to do that, getting out of self. I learned that self was my problem. I didn't understand when I first read that in the big book that I was selfish. You know, what is that? Well, it meaning self-centered, I can relate to. Centered on self. I'm centered on me. That's the problem. By putting chairs away at a meeting, I could get out of that, and that's how I got out of that. That's how it began. My sponsor said, talk to a newcomer at every meeting, get there early, stay late, call newcomers during the week. You know, I'm lazy now. I'm not fat and happy. I don't go to as many meetings, but um, I have a wonderful, wonderful life. Um, You know, it is... I heard someone the other day say, the trudge the road of happy destiny. He said, you know, it doesn't say trudge the road to happy destiny, meaning we are there on the road already. I love that. Trudge the road of happy destiny. So we get to be happy here from the minute we walk in the door. Life brings its challenges. You know, 23, 28 years, I'm just kind of understanding resentment, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. But, um, you know, I'm very happy that God has removed my obsession with compulsive overeating. Um, I'm absent over 28 years. I have um, a lovely career that I just love. I've gone through ups and downs with that. I'm on my own now. Um, And it's a service career. I give back. Um, I earn money and give back at the same time. I'm extremely grateful for that. and I've been married for seven years. We passed, we passed the seven-year itch, you guys. Woo-hoo! No. Um, this is a miracle because I like to talk about this because, to me, A, it was something I always wanted to find true love. Um, sometimes it's true hate. But, um, you know, and I also I just tend to think that relationships, as it says in the books, are kind of our hardest thing. And the longest I ever dated before I met my husband at age 43 was for 13 months. And I've now managed to do this for seven years. Um, we're, we get along better now than ever. You know, in the beginning, there's a lot of infatuation and stuff. Now we're better. We're, we like each other more. Whew, what a miracle. So this truly is the road. Uh, you know, it just kind of keeps it keeps getting better for me. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for OA. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm grateful for hitting bottom. I'm grateful for being fat. I'm grateful for the sponsors who told me, maybe you're not ready to stop eating yet, and who held me to the line. I'll just end with this. You know, that maintainers meeting I used to go to, um, we had a podium just like this, and this was in 1980, 1980, 1980-81, and in order to share there, and there was a sign right on the front of the podium that said, you had to have 30 days of abstinence and be 10 pounds within your goal weight. So, you know, I'm grateful for that. It didn't let me escape, even from myself. And uh, I love OA. Thank you all for listening. Thank you.
right, thank you. And our second speaker is Nancy, who will tell us where she's from. Good morning, my name is Nancy, and I am a gracefully recovering compulsive eater. And um, I will qualify here, uh, if God lets me, um, to live until the 28th of September this year. I intend to mark 36 years in this program. And thank you, and thank you, God. Um, my uh, current abstinence is maintenance since September of 1976. I had a little too over, over two years of, of abstinence and had reached goal weight, which was a um, little over 145 pounds, and I had a relapse. Um, by the grace of God and the fellowship of OA, I made it back, and that's a miracle. And that was, um, I was out there eating for six months. And so um, I've been on both sides of that street, and I, that's why I identify as a grateful compulsive eater. Because I, in 35 years, I've met many people who went out and didn't make it back. And some have eaten themselves to death. And, um, and so I consider myself a living miracle and um, am eternally grateful for that. Um, I say that about 145 pounds because about uh, six months before I got here, um, I was weighed in the doctor's office. I stopped weighing at 250 because I, I figured if I didn't get on the scale, I wouldn't gain weight. Um, and what it amounted to is that um, uh, the last time I went to the doctor, which was about six months before I got to OA in September of 73, uh, the doctor weighed me. And I used to, um, um, she, would, she said to me, I have to, I have to take you back to the other room to weigh you because uh, the doctor's scale only went to 325. And um, so they couldn't weigh me. I was heavier than that. And so she took me to the back room of this office building, which was a shipping room, and weighed me on a shipping scale. And I was so humiliated and so embarrassed and so ashamed. And I said to her, okay, I'm gonna, I, I don't want you to tell me what it is. And uh, you would think with that humiliation, embarrassment, and shame that I would end up going to do something about it. But I had done every diet and every weight loss gimmick and scheme that you could imagine. And they all worked, except as Zan referred to, um, I had never tried OA until I saw it working in somebody else. And OA has afforded me the only sense of permanence that I could ever achieve. And that's contingent on being spiritually fit one day at a time. So consequently, um, you know, about 15 years ago, I went through menopause, and that wrecking crew left about 10 pounds right about in my middle. And they got out of town after they did that, you know. Um, but, but the thing is, I'm happy with my abstinence today. I'm in my 24th year of being a vegetarian. I love my abstinence. I love my food. I'm very creative with my food because, as you said, that's all I get. Uh, oh, and I almost forgot to tell you. One thing that I need to tell you, because I'm, these ears need to hear these lips say it, is that on page 92 of the AA 12 and 12, it says, as an insurance against big shotism, it's necessary for me to remember that I am abstinent today by the grace of God. And that any success I may be having is his success, not mine. Um, we, when we clap, we clap for OA. 
And so when you clap at somebody's abstinence or somebody's weight loss or somebody's length of time in program, just keep in the back of your mind that you're clapping for OA because OA is what works. I couldn't do it on my own and neither can you. Um, and so um, my prayer is today that when you leave here, that you will leave here with the message that your higher power, whatever you choose to call it, has for you. And, um, and that um, the words of the messenger will fall as dross and that you will take your message for you because each one of us will have a different message from being here today. Um, if you're a newcomer here, I want to tell you something that your life will never be the same for having been here, from being in any meeting of Old Readers Anonymous. That's the way the energy and the synergy that is combined in a meeting of Old Readers Anonymous will change your life forever, even if you never come back. You'll never be the same. Um, in addition to uh, what Dan read in the um, Lifeline Sampler, um, I want to show you a little story. Um, a lady walks into her doctor's office, and, um, and she's there for a checkup. And so the nurse takes her back to the, the prelim room, and, and so she says to, her, to, the, to the woman, um, how much do you weigh? And the woman says, 135. And she said, oh, and how tall are you? And the woman says, five foot six. And so the um, nurse puts her on the scale, and she said, you don't weigh 135, you weigh 185. So she takes the height measure, and she puts it on the top of her head, and she said, you're not five foot six, you're five foot two. So she puts the BP cuff on her and she takes her blood pressure and she said, and your blood pressure is high. And the woman says, well, what do you expect? I was tall and slender when I came in here and now I'm short and fat. <laughs> that's, that's the story of we compulsive eaters. See? Um, the big book tells me on page 450 that I have a magic magnifying mind. And I will maximize or minimize anything for my convenience. That's the nature. That's an inherent nature of my disease. And I have come to accept that that is never going to go away. It is part of those things. It's just like if you have diabetes or cancer or anything else. There are certain things that are inherent. You can take all of the medication that is that you're put on and everything, but there are some aspects of that disease that are never going to change. And one of them is... That, that that's the nature. I'm going to make things bigger or smaller depending on my own convenience. And so I have to accept that. But I want to read you something uh, while we're talking about this, uh, the invisible fat man. This is from page two of our OA 12 and 12. And it says, what all of us have in common is that our bodies and minds seem to send us signals about food which are quite different from those the normal eater receives. And so it's been called a disease of perceptions, and that tells me exactly what I'm dealing with. I don't see things as they are. I see things as I am. And so I have an incredible ability to distort reality in about three and a half nanoseconds, especially when it comes to food, weight, or size. Um, and, and I have come to realize that since I have been in OA. That's why all of the, I mean, I, I went through the diet clubs, all of the, the world renowned. And there have been some that have come into business since I went, you know, since, since I came to OA. Or I would have been right out there trying those too. I have tried every crazy thing that you can imagine. And I have had repeated attempts and episodes at weight loss and weight gain. And, um, 
And all of the time, my reality was distorted. I went through a four-year period where the only thing that went into my mouth, into my body, was an addictive substance. That was my anorexic bulimic period, and I, I felt as though I was starving myself to death. I have suffered malnutrition. I have suffered anemia, um, and, and I have done irreparable damage to my body because I always thought I was fat. My mother died in the beginning of March this year, and I had to go back to Michigan for a couple of months, and, and, um, and I had to go through all of her papers and all of her pictures and, I mean, everything in the whole house. That was my job, was to help clean out the house. And I had always had this, this image when I was growing up from childhood on that I was obese because uh, my father was a raging alcoholic, and he, he used to beat me up, and sometimes he beat me up for being fat. And he, his favorite name, pet name for me was you big cow. See? And, and he's the one that introduced me to laxatives because his form of punishment whenever I did anything wrong was to make me drink a bottle of cod liver oil or Pepto-Bismol or something like that. See? And so I came by that. I learned that at an early age. See, um, nine or ten is pretty early age to start doing that. And so I carried that behavior on because I found that it works. You know, I could do that. I could, and, and every time I would be in the kitchen and I would um, be recovering, Dad passed out in the other room and I would be crying from what, what had just happened. And I would be in there seeking the comfort foods. You know, the sticky, sweet, gooey, soft things, see, that would nurture me. And and what would happen then is that um, when I had the, the laxatives or when I had that, the Pepto-Bismol or whatever it was that he made me drink, um, it worked. Sometimes it was X-Lax, you name it. And so as I got older into my teenage years, you know, I got into this. I would either starve or I would binge because I was a real party animal. That was when I did my heaviest drinking, too, was that same four-year period. And and I and so consequently it's real simple. All you gotta do is do the drill, see, and get rid of the weight. So I would that was a, a, a weight measure for me. OA relieved me of that. It took away that pain and that desperation to be thin. That's all I ever wanted in my life was to be thin. And I learned that and oh and I, I went on diet pills when I was twelve years old. Parents divorced. Mom said, let's wipe the slate clean and get this family get started on another track. And so she took me to the family doctor who, who put me on what launched a 20-year career of diet pills. So it's another miracle that I'm able to stand here today because of all of the chemicals that I mixed in my body. And, uh, and I'm still dealing with that. I'm going to have to deal with some of that repair work the rest of my life, knowing that I'm never going to be whole and complete again but all in the name of being thin. And, and um, the, the invisible fat man touched on some things that I don't think we talk that much about in OA. I don't know if it's because we're embarrassed about it or what, but that is my distortion of reality. After I lost my weight, I found that the same thing happened. Number one, I was terribly afraid of full-length mirrors because prior to that time, I only looked in the mirror from the neck up. See, I didn't want to look at that obese body. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, when I'm going through these pictures in my mother's house in March of this year, 
I come across these pictures of my late childhood and my early junior high school, I was not obese. You know, there were pictures where I was chubby. There were pictures where I was really thin. And, and I thought, I lived a lie all those years because I believed what other people told me, what other people criticized me for. I went through, as a chubby child, I went through that fat, grade school, fatty, fatty, two by four, can't get through the kitchen door, you know what that is. And I believed that because I had no self-image of my body. I had, I had a distorted concept, see, because I don't see things as they are. I see things as I am, my own vision. So I, I went through that. And, um, and OA has relieved me of that pain, that agony, because I don't have to prove anything to anybody now. I tell the women that I sponsor that it's sometimes to me I can relate of, remember when you were a kid and you went to the local carnival or fair and you went into the fun house and you got all these mirrors in the fun house? I used to go by those mirrors and you pass through a mirror and you're really, really, really tall and really thin and really look like a ghost, you know. And, and, um, and I like that mirror. <laughs> that was my favorite mirror. You move to the next mirror and you look like a bowling ball, you know, um, at bowling ball with a, with a stem type thing, see? And even that's fat, you know, and you move to the next one and you're distorted in some way or another, you know, you're half and half or you're half and half top and half bottom, uh, either way. That's the way I spent my life. And you know what? The way my vision is because food and its abuse and the chemicals and in the food, mainly bakery products, sugar and white flour, anything that's a refined carbohydrate was my binge and trigger foods. My binge and trigger foods have left an imprint on my brain and have definitely affected my vision because I spent so many years looking at life that way. And so my vision today is distorted. And any time, it can happen any time. I wake up in the morning it's a beautiful morning in downtown Ontario, and the birds are singing, and the sun is shining, and I think, oh, what a great day. I roll over, my feet hit the floor, and all of a sudden, I'm fat. <laughs> I feel like I weigh 500 pounds. And I think, oh, my God, what did I eat last night? Did I get up during the middle of the night and eat? You know, uh, what did I eat at dinner? What's caused me with this bloating and whatever, you know? Conversely. It can be a beautiful day in downtown Ontario or Orange County, where I live, and and I the birds are singing, and I live on the 18th floor of a building, so I've got this great view anytime I want to look at it, and I, I'm just really happy, and I wake up and I say, thank you, God, for this morning, and I roll over and put my feet on the floor, and all of a sudden I stand up, and I'm too thin. It's what's going on up here, folks. It's my distortion of reality. It's what, it's these messages that my mind and my body are sending to my brain. I perceive things different than a normal eater is what it says to me there. And, and my magic magnifying mind is at work even before I open my eyes. Because I have this disease of compulsive eating. And, and it will blindside me at any time. 
And so I have to develop a system where I can get some reality checks. And when that happens, as I'm going toward the coffee pot to plug it in, regardless of whether I'm too fat or too thin that day, I'm reaching for the phone. Hello, sponsor. Today is a fat day for me. And I, of course, thought I was terminally unique when I came to that aha moment. But you know what? At 5.30 this morning, I sponsor a woman who um, was going to Mexico today with her husband on, through her church. Their church group was going down there. She called me at 5.30 this morning. This woman has called me every single day except when she was in Africa a couple of years ago and commits her food. She's been on maintenance for over two years, two and a half years, I think it is. Calls me every day. She calls me this morning. She said, I'm having a fat day. And um, it's for that reason that I don't get on a scale. The scale has too much power over me. When I go to the doctor, they want to weigh me, I get on backwards. Because if I get on that scale and see those numbers, unless they're in double digits, I want to come back and weigh in 15 minutes after I've run around the block three times. And then the obsession, the obsession sets in. And that's the other thing that I want to share with you. Um, if I can find it here. I got it marked. My bookmark must have slipped. At any rate, the big book talks about the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body. And that distorts my thinking, too. Because most of the time, my response to any given situation is is determined by this committee that's in my head that I lovingly call the ladies in the attic. And the ladies in the attic govern my life. They want to tell me how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, They want to tell me what their truth is. You know what? Their truth is not my truth. Their truth is the disease's truth. But they keep trying to tell me, you know, and any or all of them can be on duty at one time. And then I know I'm in deep doo-doo. But what happens? I dial those seven digits or ten digits to my sponsor's house and say, uh, you know, I need a reality check. I'm having a fat day. Now, the over-thin days don't come too often anymore. But they come in my head, especially if I try on a pair of pants. And that's generally what I use. I have one pair of pants. Believe it or not, I've had it for over 20 years. I've been in California 20 years, and I brought them with me when I came from Michigan. And I try on those pants. If those pants still fit, I know I don't need to get on the scale. See? I know I'm Okay. Sometimes I try on a pair of pants that I deliberately know are too big for me so I can have a thin day. Don't you love it? See, I'm struggling for balance in my life, so I want to equal the equation. Um, But the whole point is I never see myself as I really am. I remember being at a conference back in 1987, I think it was, at the LAX Marriott. It was a World Service Conference. And we came out of the meeting, and we were there was a bunch of us uh, from my region that was going to, to lunch together. And we started up the escalator. Well, I don't know if you've ever been in that hotel or not, but the escalators from the lower level to the main level are all three sides mirror. <laughs> and, I, and I used to freak at, at full-length mirrors, see, because of my distorted image. And when we got to that escalator, I said, oops, I forgot. I'm going to take the elevator. I'll meet you. And they they hooked their arms in mine and said, oh, no, 
it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to face reality. Come on, we're going to help you. And they held my arms as we went up. We were linked arms as we went up on that escalator. And I got to see me in the company of those people like you who have saved me. And thank you. And it, that, that moment of distortion was gone. See? And that's what we offer each other when we come here. You walk through the door as a newcomer, I know you're not seeing things the way they are. You're seeing things the way you are. So it's my job to say welcome to you and say the same thing they told me in my first night. You only have to change one thing in this program, and that's everything. (laughs) But you know what? The people in this room, the people in OA, will hold your hand and help you get through that reality that you have distorted. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you are today. And your socioeconomic or academic achievements don't count in here. We are all here together just to recover from compulsive eating. And it says to me in this book that OA gives me a new pair of glasses. And and so what that happens is that my vision is no longer distorted as much, and it's one day at a time. The healing starts the minute you walk in here, even though you don't know it. My healing was that the first night I walked into OA, my healing began with I never had any more diet pills or speed or anything, any kind, from that point in time. Instant miracle. And I didn't realize it until I'd been here about six months. The fog clears out of you. That sugar-carbohydrate fog clears out of your head. I was interested in reading a, a few few weeks ago a, an article by Bill Wilson where he talked about the reason that they, they had these guys go to a meeting every day for 90 days is because there's that fog. They wanted the fog to clear from the chemicals that they had ingested in the alcohol. And I thought, that is so like us. We need time for our bodies to clear out. And that's why abstinence is so important. But I've got to tell you something. Abstinence without working the steps is just another diet. And it means that the steps are what clear up my reality. Because I can go through those steps with you, and I can get that reality check every single time. The steps shine the spotlight on what I need to know at that moment in time and help me to stay abstinent. Nothing else has ever done that. And that's why all those weight loss places and gimmicks and clubs and 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 fitness centers and whatever that I went through never worked. Uh, is because they worked for the time, but I always got that weight back on. But here I get to look in a mirror that doesn't lie. The mirrors in my head always lied to me. They always told me false information, and I believed them. And and that's not my truth today. My truth is that I know that I have this body that is the only body I'm ever going to get. And I need to treat it good. And just like my partner today, I'm a princess when it comes to my food. Forget that junk food, you know. 
I'm going to eat what is good and what I like to eat, and yet it's still healthy. And it keeps me at a, at a healthy body weight. I forget, I've given up on ever trying to be normal. You know, I'm not going to be normal in anything. I mean, somebody said to me in a meeting one time, the only thing normal is a cycle on a washing machine, you know. <laughs> but I don't have to go through those ups and downs as I, the woman that went into the doc. I mean, I don't have to walk in here tall and thin and walk out short and fat anymore, see. Because you've helped me change my image of my body. You've helped me back into reality. Because you've offered me a we program, and, and I know that I can trust you. I know that I can trust this program because I've seen it, not only in myself, but in the people that came before me. I've seen it, how it works. And the fact that you've been willing to reach out your hand and say, put your hand in mine and we'll do this thing together. Thank you for letting me share with you today. And I appreciate it and I love you all. Ask your back to go around. Oh, here we are. Good. Thank you, Nancy. Okay. We'll now have 10 minutes of questions from the Ask It basket. If there are not enough questions in the basket, the speaker can be given a second chance to say what they meant. Okay. All right. Um, no. If you want, I'll go through here okay. and um, see if there's any that are to specifically to them. Distortion. How do you find exercise going in? Do you ever do that? Mm-mm. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I have to Oh, yes, I do. Um, Should we just divide them up then, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I was looking okay. to see if our name was All right. <clears throat> uh, here's the question. Success on my job is based on my appearance. How can I let go of the possibility of income work and my body's appearance? I'm thin, but... Obsessed with losing five pounds. Okay, how can I let the... Um, okay, how, well, I can only answer this to my own uh, um, experience and understanding. And it's, um, I shared earlier that, you know, I couldn't stop hating myself still heavy. Um, I mean, I let you love me. I tried to let that inside. But I also um, tried to lose my weight. <laughs> So, um, and, you know, I didn't have 100 pounds uh, to lose. I had 45 pounds. So when I read this and it says 5 pounds, you know, it doesn't, to me it doesn't matter whether it's 5 or 45 or 100. Um, <clears throat> we've all earned a seat here. So that would be my, um, my thing, unless they're doing something illegal, because I know there's laws against discrimination on the job sometimes. But, um, yeah, I just continue to come back and try to work the program. That's what I did. Okay. Cool. Um, I just I went through these and saw ones that I specifically mentioned, and so I'm going to go with that. How do you define exercise bulimia? Um, you know what I did? I got into running, um, and and that was um, shortly before I got married, so that was in that last four years. And I, I got into running, and I would find that I would eat whatever I wanted to and just increase the amount of of running that I did. So if I started out at one mile, you know, and then eventually I got this idea, hey, and I'll tell you where I heard this. There was an anorexic bulimic that one of my favorite people named Karen Carpenter, singer, 
And she, there was a big article, especially after she died, you know, it was a lot like the Michael Jackson thing at time, and I know I'm dating myself, but one of the things, she dealt with eating disorders of anorexia, bulimia, before it was even known by the medical profession or labeled by the medical profession. And one of the articles that I read talked about how she ran 25 miles a day. And that's how she, you know, that was her bulimic uh, experience. And I thought, oh, wow, is that a great idea? <laughs> that definition worked for me. Now, I never made it to 25, but I did get up to where I was running 10 miles a day and then just binging all over the place, see, because I wasn't doing the laxatives anymore. I found out they cramped my stuff. Arg. <laughs> I had to say that. Um, so it, that's, that's how one expression that I found. What do we, you, do when obsessing about weight and body size? I gain a little and feel fat, and I fear keep like, gaining. I lose a little and feel thin and fear gaining it back. Okay, what do you do when you're obsessing about Yeah, um, to me, again, it's the exact same thing as... Um, I mean, I was obsessing about food. I was obsessing about my body. All of that stuff. I was, oh, I'd lose all of these things. Um, I would gain a little. Um, actually, what happened to help me hit bottom was I had a period of control in OA for a year where I'd binge like once a month. And I thought, well, this is cool. Um, this is, this is working. You know, I'm not, um, at my top weight anymore. I've lost this weight. I'm able to maintain it. And one binge a month isn't so bad. And then what happened was it got two weeks later and then the next week and then daily. And, and, and that made me really, really scared of gaining it all back. Um, and that's when I hit bottom and went to a meeting the next day and became willing to ask someone who was really working a program to sponsor me. Um, uh, you know, there's no, new, I don't have a new answer for this. What do I do? I went to seven to nine meetings a week. I had four service commitments. Um, I did what my sponsor told me. I worked the steps. Uh, I made those phone calls. I mean, that, that's my answer to any and all of it here, whether it's five pounds, a little obsession, a lot of obsession, a hundred pounds. I just um, did what I was told here. Thanks. Next question. I'm gaining weight because of menopause, snacking on salty food, and a stressful job that leaves me no time to attend meetings. Can you relate or help me? You are not gaining weight because of your stressful job or because of menopause. You are gaining weight because you are a compulsive eater. And that's what compulsive eaters do for anything that happens in life. That's why the big book talks about learning to live life on life's terms here. And if you haven't self-diagnosed on that yet, let me tell you, page 143, it says, to get over compulsive eating will require a transformation of thought and attitude. We all had to place recovery above everything. Right on. Thank you. Okay, um, here's one I like. I thought this was about body image. Can you tell me something about that? Oh, it's great. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to kind of echo um, Nancy because what she talked about was that, I love that, I'm going to use that phrase she used, that um, something about I don't see reality, I 
What is it you don't said? See things as they are. I don't. I don't see things as they are. I think see things as I am. So even though I shared that the obsession's been lifted, I'm not afraid of eating again. You know, trust me, I can walk in front of a mirror and just the hate daggers come out. You know, and your eyes always go to that one part of your body you've always hated, right? My 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 belly. I thought, you know, people sometimes people say you're crazy. You look fine. I'm like, no. You know, I want those hips like Karen Carpenter. You know, flat across and and so bones stick out it's you know and and or if even if it's not my body see my head will say you're stupid you're ugly oh my god i've decided we need a 12-step program for aging right <laughs> because it's all about self-hatred and not accepting you know so again yeah i don't i'm not in a diet head anymore but those daggers in my mind because like nancy said see my disease wants to kill me it will stop short of nothing less that is literally how i feel and it does it through the obsession of the mind so um, so I can just tell you that, so, you know, how did I cope with body image, with all of that self-hatred? You loved me here. And, again, by going to the meetings and being there, I mean, people just love, they say, we'll love you until you can love yourself. And, um, again, so I just availed myself of all of that here and, and working the steps. And then it begins to change, you know, working the steps. And, and, you know, it's funny sometimes, too, it's like just the fellowship, man. You know, I'm, I'm going to so not work these steps perfectly, and sometimes I won't work them at all. But the love I get here, the fellowship, and then even when I wake up with that fat head or the stupid head, you know, you'll say, I love you, you know, make a gratitude list, or that's a good thing to work against body image, write a gratitude list, you know, train yourself to look at, you know, the beautiful, I love my hair, you know, or whatever it is. So anyway, thanks. Um. Distortion. What is normal weight? I already told you what normal was. Cycle on a washing machine. Um, should we follow the medical charts with min and max for height and age? You know what? Um, one of the definitions of um, abstinence, it's or somewhere, I think it's in the pamphlet to the newcomer in OA. It says that each person has to be the sole judge of their own weight or size. Now, what I would recommend is that you talk with your doctor or your healthcare professional and find out what should be normal weight for you. Um, it, it certainly, I think what the insurance charts go, they don't go by normal weight, they go by average weight for your height and your age, see. And that's a danger zone, see. For me it is, it's a real big danger zone. There's a difference between normal and average. And and so I would check with my healthcare professional. It's not, are you timing, by the way? Is it close to ten minutes? Okay. Oh, I got my little deal. Yeah. Okay. But it's five minutes So we we got about five okay. minutes. All right. Um, what is the connection between body image and a spiritual program of recovery? Great great question. Um, I'm going to say this: is that when I'm talking to a newcomer, when I'm putting chairs away at a meeting, when I'm planning a Convention, I'm not thinking about myself or my body image. Um, that's my spirituality, spiritual solution. Um, you know, they say it doesn't matter if you're thinking badly of yourself all the time. The problem is that you're thinking of yourself all the time. <laughs> so, um, when I can think of someone else, that's the solution to the self-hatred, you know, to, to all of it. Um, service, getting out of self. This question says, what if how you feel about yourself doesn't match the mirror 
if you feel skinnier than you look. Um, I thought I touched on that, um, but I want to tell you, I want to give you a part of the big book that I just vaguely referenced, and that is on page 450. I'm only going to give you excerpts of this because it's um, directed uh, to the alcoholic. Um, I had rather a Midas touch which turned everything to gold, a magnifying mind that magnified whatever it focused on. And then down in the next paragraph, um, he talks about the qualities that he sees in another person, and he was very happy about the good qualities. But then as I ate more and more, the compulsive eating seemed to affect my vision. Is that distortion or not? Um, instead of continuing to see what was good about that person, I began to see the defects. And the more I focused my mind on the defects, the more they grew and multiplied. And then across the, the page it said, uh, OA has given me a new pair of glasses. I can again focus on those good qualities and watch them grow and grow. What happens is if I'm not abstinent, I'm going to start becoming negative. My, here's, here's an axiom in OA. Our disease is negative. Every negative thought, thought that you get about yourself comes from your disease. But our recovery is positive. And, and Dan mentioned, mentioned some things that you can do. You know, the first thing that I would do if I look, if I look uh, fatter than I think I am or if I look skinnier than I think I am, I'd call my sponsor for a reality check because I realize that my vision is distorted. I've got the wrong glasses on. And what I'm doing is I'm heading to the negativity, see? And the negativity is always going to lie to me. Those ladies in the attic are hard at work, girls and boys, and they're going to drag me down. I will not ever lift them up because that's an inherent nature in my disease. I have to get a hold of my sponsor, or, and if I can't reach my sponsor, I have to make outreach calls or go to a meeting or read my literature there have been many times when I, and back in Michigan, I would call my sponsor and she'd say, I can't talk right now, but read step one. Step one is all about what she talked about, surrender. And we don't want to do that. See, we don't want to give up control. But that's the thing that will pull us out of the disease. Okay, let's have some open sharing. Um, we will now have time for three shares. If you have already shared at another workshop, please please give others a chance before you come forward. Limit your share to three minutes, stay on the topic, and sign the tape release form after you share. Who'd like to share? You wanna, yeah, come on up. Yeah, so it'll be on the tape. Yeah. Does it have to be a show like this? No, it's just a share on what this is. But we also need for you first to sign to sign an affidavit because it gives us permission to take you. Anybody else that wants to get in line, you're welcome to line up over here. So should I sign it first? No, after. Oh, okay. My name's Betsy. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I related to the question about um, what if you perceive yourself to be thinner or what if you feel thinner than you really are? And um, I related to that in a slightly different way. I I've never felt I was too thin. I mean, I, and, yeah, I've never worried about being too thin. Um, I, 
in general feel good about myself. And I'm always shocked when I look in the mirror and see how much heavier I am than I think I am, you know. And in some ways, I think that thinking I'm thinner than I am permits me to eat a lot more. And that's the only answer I can come up with is that wherever I am, I just don't want to be completely in reality. You know, I remember hearing that the definition of humility was knowing who I am and where I belong, you know. Um, and that's really, that's all that occurred to me. That's all I wanted to share. Thanks. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Stacey. I'm a food addict, compulsive overeater. Hi. It's so good to be at a convention and see you all. Um, I've been coming to OA six and a half years, and I really enjoy hearing a bit of a relapse thing because I hope I can be at a convention 20, 30 years from now and be able to share that, you know, I'll, I'll have back one year on next month, and I'm really excited about that. But, you know, the 80 pounds drifted back onto a 65 weight pound, and it's coming off, and, and I don't care about the numbers. I care about serenity. I care about um, spirituality. I care about this program. And this was just an awesome topic. So I really just jumped up just to thank these guys because I really appreciate everything that they said. Um, and I do know that I feel, I feel 20 pounds lighter in my brain within a 24-hour period. And it all has to do with my spiritual connection. It all has to do with, am I right on with my relationship with my higher power? And when I am, when I am, I don't care about the weight. And, of course, it helps when I'm out there serving others, you know, whether it's my kids and my husband. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, but when I get out of myself. I just finished um, doing the second round. I'm working on step 11. And just this morning I finished journaling on the AA 12 and 12, uh, step 11. And so I was reading or writing about how we do need to um, get out of ourselves and how we do need to serve and help others, you know, and through prayer and meditation. Um, we, we clear the fog and we have a better channel. And all of that stems to having a better body image. Because I agree that um, I can look thin and I can look fat, and I have no conception of it. So why should I try? You know, why should I try? And I will tell you that I was trying to prove to my daughter, this is, she just turned nine, but when she was eight, I was trying to prove to her that I was thinner because she said to me, oh, mom, you know, she mentioned something about weight or whatever, and it was really hurting my feelings, and I shouldn't have let it. But I had to show her how thin I was three years ago because she had forgotten. Is that not insane? But <laughs> when I was doing that little project, I couldn't believe how thin I had gotten in this program. I didn't know. To me, those pictures were really thin pictures at 135, 140 pounds. I mean, I didn't know I looked like that. So is that not the truth that I just have no conception? You know, and, and I think what matters most is what is going on in here in my re relationship with God. So that's it. Thank you. Hi, I'm Sharon. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Sharon. And uh, thank you both um, for your shares. I particularly um, picked this topic because... It's something that I um, still struggle with. I've been in the program, 
and abstinent a little bit over four years and have, uh, by the grace of God, I don't like to admit this, but I have 150 plus pound weight loss. And, and it's not about the numbers because the numbers mean absolutely nothing when compared to the disease mind and head that I have in the committees and everything that we've talked about. And I have this struggle of now trying to figure out where I fit in in a world where all my life from the youngest age on, I shopped in the big girl, the fat girl, whatever you want to say, the specialty shops. And now, by the grace of God, I don't have to. And it's too overwhelming. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to shop. Um, I had an assignment from my therapist, which was just go do something nice for yourself. And uh, my boyfriend thought it was, why don't you buy some clothes that you would never buy? And anyway, I don't, it's not probably one of our best days, you know. You know, he's like, you're just buying the fat mama clothes in smaller sizes. This <laughs> is basically what, what, what was sold to me. And, uh, you know, I definitely relate to the thin days and, and the fat days because, you know, um, I have a food plan, I follow it. If I follow it, there's really not a way for me to gain, you know, 150, 150 pounds back in, you know, a day or two days. And I have to say to myself, have you followed your food plan? You know, I write it down every day. I chart it. I track it. And then I say, what size are you wearing? And I'm like, okay, you're in a size large. Can you really wear a large? I mean, is really that large going to, because some of, the, some of our clothes really um, expand out, right? So is that large really going to expand out to me, you know, that 350 pounds? And so it's still something that I struggle with all the time. My sister, who is heavy, and I used to play this game, you know, if we were out and about, and I go, am I bigger than that person? Yeah. Is that what I look like? Because, like we've talked about, I'll look in the mirror, and I didn't see the 350-plus pound person. I mean, I just didn't. My perception was, you know, this is what I am, and now here I'm on the other side of it. And, and so I think that it's a good topic. I think it's a rele, rele, relevant topic, and um, I just I, I struggle with it. And I'm very blessed to struggle with it. So let me make, let me make that extremely clear. Um, I came into this program, and a, a week after I came in, I met a very wonderful lady who uh, hasn't made it in the program. And there was a time when I was still giving her my clothes and there's not any of my heavier friends these days that I can give my clothes to because I, they're still up in the 26, 28, you know, size range for those of us who uh, know what that is, the three, four X's and, uh, you know, I'm not and I um, am grateful for that and just wanted to share those with you all. Thank you. Yeah, I lost the format. I just wanted to make sure we're... Is that the format? Yeah, I just want to... Format's gone. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. Hi, Katie. And I just um, celebrated nine months in the program, and I've, I've released 102 pounds. And I just want to thank her for sharing because, you know, it's weird because I feel physically the exact same as I did nine months ago and um, I'm going to cry and it's really hard because people when I was when I work with the public and people constantly just comment on how you look you know, oh my god you look so different oh my god you look so great and it's like what the fuck did I look like before you know did I look like a big fat slob and yes I did and I look at pictures of myself and I go god I was never that big I was never 
that big. But it's so easy to accept yourself as a fat girl, and it's so easy. I and mean, I still go into specialty stores. I went in, I went shopping at the mall yesterday, and I bought a skirt at Banana Republic, and I said, this is the first time I've bought something at Banana Republic. And the girl's like, really? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, I'm used to, I still go into Lane Bryant, and I still, you know, my knees are shaking. Um, but I still go into those stores, and this is a huge thing for me because I do shop. I am a tomboy because when I was younger, jeans, flannels, and boys' clothes, all that we had because I didn't want big flowers on my boobs, you know. And I'm still buying fat girl clothes in smaller sizes. And it's really, really hard to look at myself and go, my goal was a size 12 and now I'm a size 10. So it's like the things that I never thought were possible, when I walked in the door, I didn't want to lose weight. I just wanted to stop killing myself with food and drugs and alcohol and sex and whatever else compulsion I had at the time. And, um, you know, it's really, really hard because all people see is your physicalness. And that's why it's attraction rather than promotion. But then it's like, I don't want people to see my size. I want people to see my changes inside. And nobody really cares about your insight except for the people that are in these rooms. So this is a really great topic. And thank you for sharing because you totally just made me feel so much better. <laughs> Thanks. Hi, Maria. Do you want my real name? Hi, I'm Thora from Postal Reader, and I really like this topic. You know, I saw uh, the mirror um, image. You know, it's like I've been around here for 30-plus uh, years, and um, I had eight years of 110-pound weight loss and yada, yada, yada. And, uh, you know, through the grace of God, I'm not over 300 pounds today. And, you know, I, I've kept off 85 pounds in the past um I'd say close to three years. And there are some mornings I wake up and I look in the mirror and I have to take a double take because it's, it's between the ears. You know, it's like I still have this image that I'm 300 pounds. And I don't know if it will ever go away. Uh, my mother died being a compulsive overeater. She lost her weight. And I remember taking a picture of her. That she passed away over 30 years ago. Uh, taking a picture of her, uh, I got a cake from the Slender Sweet Shop, mm -hmm. and uh, I got the picture developed, and I showed her, and she goes, well, who's that? I go, well, that's you. And she goes, oh, I'm not that skinny. You know, but unfortunately, she never got to this program. And uh, But, you know, <laughs> this is a cunning, powerful disease. And, you know, it just saddens me because my, my kids have it. And, uh, you know, it is a family disease. And the only thing I can do is just, you know, be an attraction. And, uh, you know, sometimes I just go in the mirror. It's like, oh, I just know. I had this dress. I just know it wasn't going to fit. It was going to fit. You know, so I don't know um, if that will ever go away. And my higher power, which I choose to call God, has just, I just feel so, so blessed. And uh, thank you so much for sharing. I could really, really relate with everything that you said, Nancy, as far as, you know, the body image and the tools. And uh, for me, I'm not going to graduate from this program. So thank you for being here. Okay, thank you. Okay, about time. 
And um, again, thanks for everyone who shared and for the questions and for allowing us to be of service. It's now time to close. Please join me in a moment of silence followed by the third step prayer. Thank <clears throat> you.